0: I'm hoping the Big Ten has to modify their system for us. <laughs> it's
1: probably, like getting great ten sandpaper rubbed on your face every day. I mean, we say it all the time. Whether you know, there's two types of turds. You're a sinker or you're a floater, but you're still a turd, right? I mean, <laughs> um, we're we we are about players and players playing the plays, and not necessarily the plays.
0: Welcome to. The varsity club podcast. My name is Derek Peterson. I'm happy to be joined this week by Hail Varsity staff writer Brady Altmans. Brady, hello, how are you? Doing well, man. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm uh I'm looking forward to seeing what Nebraska looks like on the field after a bye week. Uh came at a probably a much needed time. I mean, usually bye weeks are always You know, you get to them and you're like, thank God we're here. Uh, But for Nebraska coming off of the Oklahoma loss, I I would imagine that they needed a a good reset. Um, I've got you on today because I'm curious. I want to talk to you about sort of how Mickey Joseph handled that bye week. Mm -hmm. What the sort of what the the message to the team was and what Nebraska has been saying since they play Indiana this weekend. Um, As of recording, this is Thursday afternoon we're recording this. Nebraska is a five-point favorite. Yeah, well. it's, it's an interesting line. Um, we talk a little bit about that because it's Indiana week. I'm, I have to talk about Michael Penix Jr. Because I don't think that there's I, I don't think that there's a, you know, Nebraska's tortured right now. But Indiana is like, like poor Indiana, man. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to talk about that a little bit. Um, but like there is there is no better place to start than and I'm sorry, than Adrian Martinez beating Oklahoma because there's you know there's no better narrative arc or lead for a story than Adrian Martinez at Nebraska playing Oklahoma in Norman having just a devastating loss close at the end having that like highlight interception that just played on a reel all throughout the rest of the college football season last year he transfers to Kansas state Nebraska plays Oklahoma in Lincoln and gets absolutely blasted after firing its coach and then here comes adrian martinez the very next week with his new team back in norman and he beats them and has really sort of a he had a a performance that made the rest of it seemed like made the rest of college football media step back and be like oh hey this kid's actually pretty good and it's like well yeah yeah (laughs) Um, so my question for you is, I, I, I was I was very happy for Adrian. I texted him after the game, what I assume was the same message that he got from a billion people in text message form, like "so happy for you, congrats on the win." Um, it was a breakthrough moment for him after so many like close losses at at Nebraska to get through and have like this kind of like over the hill over-the-hump moment, not over-the-hill, he's not over-the-hill, <laughs> over-the-hump moment where he finally breaks through. So should this, does this, will this game reframe the way that we view the Adrian Martinez tenure at Nebraska?
2: I think it has to. Um, I think the last three weeks in general has to kind of reshape the way that a lot of people viewed the last three five years at Nebraska, you know, um, I think it, I mean, Adrian was, he was so good because keep in mind, even with all of the bad or the perceived bad things that he did as quarterback, the mistakes, um, just the mental lapses and crucial times. He was also partial, at least partially responsible for a lot of the great things um, and the rallies and the times that Nebraska had to claw their way back into those positions. So, it's it, 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 it. You take a little bit of the good and the bad. Plus, you realize the the Scott Frost. I don't want to even say experiment because I think he was the consensus choice at the time. And I'm still firmly in the belief set that, that Bill Moose would have been ran out of Nebraska if he didn't have wouldn't have hired Scott Frost back then. Um, but it just didn't work out for for whatever reason. It didn't work out and. I think Adrian showed all of that promise, especially right away. Like this could be one of the great, you know, Nebraska quarterbacks. And it just, it couldn't click. It couldn't fully click for him. And when he transferred to Kansas state, I got excited for him because I thought that's a really cool system for him to be in. Um, I was excited to see Colin Klein as his offensive coordinator, like, okay, at least running the ball, this seems going to be exciting. We'll see what happens when he has to go to the air kind of thing. But then without him, I mean, and Casey Thompson, granted, has been really good for Nebraska as well. The offense has not been an issue for this Nebraska team this year. But seeing Adrian able to accomplish the things he's done at Kansas State, I think is a testament to him and his ability as a football player. And I think a lot of the fan base has seen that and respected it. So many of his teammates from Nebraska tweeted out letters or support for him. Um, even after Adrian's touchdown, he gave the Brody belt a uh, bow, and Brody talked a little bit about it, um, was very happy about it uh, on on Tuesday. And I think it just kind of goes to show that with a little bit of space, everybody's wishing Adrian the best. It was very happy to see him finally, yeah, get the monkey off the back and knock off a a top 10 team like you did against Oklahoma finally. And I'm sure they would have wished it would have happened in Lincoln, but you can't change that now. So you just hope for the best.
0: Yeah. I'm glad it happened during Nebraska's bye week because I feel like it, it gave, I mean, maybe there, there were a handful of of folks who looked at that and said, God, I wish he could do this like with Nebraska. Like I wish he could still do this with us, so to speak. Um, But I feel like it gave Nebraska fans who just keep getting just pounded week after week in college football seasons. It gave them like a reprieve and like you, you could like enjoy something because not only did Adrian Martinez get his win, but Hey, Oklahoma got Oklahoma lost. Oklahoma got upset. Good for Nebraska fans. Yeah, I yeah. was ha- I was happy to see Oklahoma get upset. I'm not gonna lie, I was a little happy to see it happen, especially in Norman. That team needed an ego check. I was I was happy to see that happen. And the <laughs> the other thing that I'm happy about is is we're not really doing the um, well, Adrian, like why couldn't Adrian do this at Nebraska? We're not really doing the. I wish adrian was still here at nebraska kind of kind of thing yeah um there's not really at least i haven't seen a ton of like taking away from what he's doing with kansas state because like you said casey thompson has been pretty good for nebraska and and the offense has been able to move the ball and been able to be productive um throughout it's just god that defense man the defense is just rough
3: um eh. this is it we've got an amex platinum pro on our hands ladies and gentlemen It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word: Broomgate. And so that's that's where I want to start with you. Let's let's be, let's let's jump to this
0: game against Indiana. And as always, if you want like a real like in depth preview, the IED Preview Podcast with Brandon Vogel. Go listen to it. It's updated for the week. Give it a listen. It's excellent. Um. Nebraska lost its defensive coordinator mm-hmm. after the Oklahoma game and then it had a bye week So what has been the message specifically on the defensive side of the ball? What has been the message as, as you've been able to, to sort of glean from the coaching staff to the defense over the last two weeks?
2: Uh, the big theme is simplification. Um, I, one thing that I, I picked up on in one of Mickey Joseph's opening comments was he wanted to make sure that they weren't coaching the athleticism out of guys. Um, and as you imagine it, they've got so many plays and so many things to comp- contend with. Um, schematically, if you've got so many things working in your brain, you're, you're double-checking yourself. You've got hesitation. You've got you apprehension. Thinking, yeah Yeah. and and when you're able to do that you're not able to flow to the flat or or make tackles or make the plays and really if you look back at the film in the first couple of games you notice that guys just aren't flowing with that i don't want to even want to say reckless abandon they're just not making the plays they're not flowing to the ball with that same speed that you need to at a power five level and at a school um like Nebraska where you compete with such top tier teams. Um, So they've been working on that. And Mickey Joseph has kind of regularly said, you know, I like what I see so far. Um, When Bill Bush talked to us this week, um, he, (laughs) he said, you know, he gave it up to the players because they've undergone a lot and they've been through so much just in the first couple of weeks. But he also just put his hands up and kind of said, look, this is a tough situation for coaches, but, put that out of your minds. Like we are paid to do this as a job. We need to do the job. So they're, they're working on a little bit on scheme stuff, but mostly it's just all simplification. They'll keep, they'll keep kind of the same um, umbrella strategy on defense as they had before the same basic schematics are going to carry over from, you know, the first couple of games into this one. Uh, One thing Bill Bush said was if you're looking for changes week to week, it's going to be difficult to to gauge, but over time, you're going to see those changes come through. And I think that that's fair enough. You're asking the defensive players who have already given up historic clips in each game this year to – to take in a whole new system while also having to scheme for their opponents. It's it's a tough draw. You know, you're, you're, you're dealing with them with a band, bad hand, even when they're already playing from behind basically. So, um, Marquise Buford kind of talked a little bit this week about how he likes it. He's noticing a difference on the field. They're flowing around, um, Mickey said today after practice that he's seen them um, fly around the ball a lot more the last couple of days, and they're playing with a lot more aggression and being a little bit more of the the hunters as as he wants them to be uh, in the last couple of days. So I'm curious to see how how they step forward. Um, Colton Feast said that it's just a scheme things. It's no guy getting pushed off the ball and being out physical on the line. So they're they're. They're scheming to, be, to match the up ness of Indiana, and we'll see how that is all going to work out. But they seem like they, they have bought into the strategy that they've implemented so far. So 2017,
0: when Mike Riley gets fired and things just uh, go in the tank in historical fashion, um, Nebraska gave up 5.6 yards per carry. And that ranked 124th nationally. So far this season, through <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> it's not good. With the first four weeks, Nebraska is giving up 5.7 yards a carry. So, like changing a coordinator doesn't doesn't change that in a week. Like you're not right. you're not changing that in a week. So are we going to see different players in different, in new positions? Because one of the things that like, you know, you get a new voice as the coordinator, a new voice is sort of the the top guy for the defense. And you get more opportunities for guys that maybe weren't getting looks before, because, yeah. you know, I think Jacob and I talked about this last week that like, you know, you get so, uh, you get this idea of a player in your head, and maybe that that might that idea might not match what reality is for that player. And you get a new voice in there, and then that person can maybe see, hey, this is reality. Let's make a change here. So I'm curious, are, are, like, ha- have they talked about that at all over the last? you know, two weeks since, since the, 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 end of the Oklahoma game, have they talked about potentially getting new guys into new spots? I know the black shirts have, have gone away. Like nobody has them anymore, which like fittingly, but
2: yeah. I mean, are, are we going to see different players on the field defensively against Indiana? Um, so one of the things they did was they opened up what Mickey Joseph wanted to do last week in the buy was open up competition, basically say, Hey, we're going to get guys in that want to play and that want to do something. Um, Wholesale, not a lot of changes. But there are a couple of things that have kind of material and shaken out. Um, Omar Brown is moved to – I think he's moved to Nickel um, because they want him to to be closer to the ball, basically. Uh, Mickey's high on him. A lot of the other guys on defense, even Marquise Buford, said that he really likes how Omar's matured and has come along. They want to get him closer to the ball and able to make plays. So – they they like him in that spot he'll get a lot of reps there this week um not a whole lot of shift in really anywhere on defense but they do have a couple of freshmen that they moved um, onto the two deep um, at defensive back uh, just because they they're hungry guys and they they're ready to go and i'm I don't know how much of a difference they'll make. I'd be excited for them um, if they're able to step in and make some plays on Saturday, but I just don't know how much you can expect out of them right away in their first, you know, big time college football game. But uh, defensive line is pretty much the same, uh, at least on the depth chart as it was before Uh, your linebacking core is solid. Your edge rushers are solid. I mean, you got two team captains holding it down there and uh, Isaac Gifford is still listed as starter. Um, you got Marquis still starting it's you so far, there hasn't been a big, lo, a, a big change in personnel, but they have made a little couple of tweaks and a couple of changes, uh, just in the coaching staff over the last two weeks in order to, to hopefully get guys on the field that really want to play and have shown, uh, drivenness, but also an ability to hang with guys. I, just real quick. Cause I have it right in front of me. Shout out
0: James Madison. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, First year at the FBS level, and they currently lead the country in run defense. They've only given up 84 yards on 88 rushing attempts in three games. Yeah, Uh,
2: And if they don't get that waiver, if they run the table and they don't get the waiver to play in a bowl game, hang the banner. National champions in my book. I mean, they're doing everything they can.
0: Would you hire that head coach? (sighs) I'd I'd get him on staff. you, you 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 are Trev Alberts. For the next five minutes, are you hiring the James Madison head coach? Um, in the or next interview, minute. at least interviewing.
2: Yeah, in, in the next five minutes, I don't have the contract drawn up, but I've got the ticket book. You know, you know, I, I've, <laughs> I've got him on the way to Lincoln. Okay, all right. <laughs> um, what? So
0: you know, we we kind of touched on like the offense has not been like a major issue. Mm-hmm. What if anything changes in the bye week? Is it just like more of the same? Is it talk of, you know, we just need to execute. We need to be more consistent, you know, the sort of standard stuff that you get. Or is there anything that's changing on that side of the ball?
2: Um, they are seeing some change in personnel. Uh, Mark Whipple was kind of in, in I don't want to say kind of insightful. It's like, you, he, he usually doesn't give us this insight. But, I mean, he was pretty open and candid this week and saying like, yeah, I didn't like the Oklahoma game. And the bye week didn't help because that just kind of stewed on it. And I didn't like it. So I think one of the, I mean, Nebraska was sacked four times against Oklahoma and the offensive line kind of has been as great as the running backs have been. And as you know, given time Casey has been in the passing game, offensive line was its weaknesses were exposed by Oklahoma. So some of that was injury. Um, Kevin Williams is, is out right now. So they're moving a couple of guys around, um, corcoran is going to start um jostling around on that left side so it's going to be a little different combination uh, it, but they've been practicing like that for the for about a week and a half now so we'll see if that's um, going to materialize anything with AJ Allen now out for the season. It seems like Gabe, Gabe urban junior is going to get the, the majority of those reps, but coaches also want to work Ramir Johnson in a little bit more and Jockeys yant and a little bit more into game uh, film. They did say that they wanted to get more guys, some game experience to see what they can do and to basically earn more playing time on the field. So we'll see if that comes out of it, but I mean, yeah, it's it's just consistency and execution. It's I don't want to say it's the same coach speak, but really that offense was moving pretty good in the first couple of games, and then they finally got stopped. So it's just going to be a matter of getting the engine started again for them. This is going to
0: sound like super harsh and probably dismissive, but like wh- I, you know, what's left to play for in this season? They have three losses already. They're one and three coming out of the bye week. The last four games are against a Minnesota team that looks better than I think people expected it was going to look. Michigan, Wisconsin, and Iowa. You know, if they want to make a bowl game, they can't lose a single one of those games, which, you know, well, they got to win one of those games, excuse me. If they want to make a bowl game, they got to win one. Um, And every other game until that gauntlet. Like, this is a staff that's changing over at the end of the season. There's going to be wholesale changes made. Like, I guess what percentage chance would you put it at that they come out against Indiana and the tires are just spinning? They're just going through the motions.
2: I don't think that that's very likely. Okay. Um, I think they're who I can't remember who it was. I think it was one of the players, maybe, and maybe um, Mickey had harped on this a little bit on Tuesday in the pregame press conferences, but they control their own destiny logistically, feasibly, they can still not only make a bowl game, but win the West. I mean, realistically, nobody except for Minnesota has really stood out in that division. Now, granted, whoever wins the West will in all likelihood be a lamb sent to the the slaughter out of the East. But that's still – that's a a conference championship game that Nebraska has not played in for – years and you've got it was one thing that stood out and I kind of wrote about it this week was when Frost was here he talked about how the leadership of this team was the best he had ever seen and that they've got so many leaders on the squad well now those leaders have had to endure so much change and when a team could understandably just fold and say you know what we don't know if we're going to be here next year we don't know what coaches are going to be here we don't there's so much uncertainty with the football team that we could just you know say like we you know we gave it a shot but we lost to Georgia Southern kind of thing like you could do that but these are also division 1 football players and they beat on each other throughout the week in order for a fun Saturday to have some pride and win a game. They're going to have 80,000-some people, even if uh, Saturday's game sold out, but the rest of the home conference slate is not sold out yet. So you're going to have at least 80,000 people in those seats every single game cheering you on. It means something to them. A lot of these guys and the younger guys are going to play because they think, I can earn myself a spot on this team next year, even if I can't. From the most cynical level, there is just absolute pride between football players the same way that there's absolute pride in the coaches to want to be the best and to be the one to turn it around. It's why the Nebraska job is so appealing to a lot of these coaches. You know, why would a Lance Leipold or a Dave Aranda or Matt Campbell or Kel, Kevin DeBoer want to be here when they're winning now, because they want to be the guy that turns Nebraska football back to what it was. A lot of these guys were coaching playing ball when Nebraska was winning three national championships in four years. They want to be that guy to bring it back. It's the same thing with the players. They walk by the trophies. They walk by the lineage, the heritage. They want to be the ones to say, like, I, not on my watch. It's tough now, but it can always be tougher. I'm not going to allow it to get there. I mean, they could come out and put their hand, throw their hands up and say, you know what, we're done for the year. But I would be entirely shocked if that were to happen, and I would not be the least bit shocked if you saw 10 new faces on the starting lineup the very next week. Because I just – I don't – if there's one thing to Mickey Joseph's credit, he gets guys to rally and he gets guys to buy in and they're not allowing any sort of quit on the team whatsoever.
0: You said Kalen DeBoer and it just completely derailed my thought process. Has that been a name that's been thrown around? It's been one that's been circulating on the like message boards and stuff. Yeah, I I see it on message boards. That's not – we don't think that that's
2: actually real, do we? I I don't think it's real. I I mean, that'd be incredible. I I like the guy I, I covered a lot of his games when he was at Fresno back when I was in Wyoming. And I think he's, you know, great, you know, good job. I don't know if I think it helps that Nebraska played an early game. So a lot of the fans were home to watch Washington just beat the doors off Michigan State. And granted, Nebraska hasn't been able to do that to Michigan State in a couple of years. But I've I think he's a guy, if you want to interview him, go for it. He's a stand-up dude, but I don't know if you want to crown the guy just based on one game that you got to watch.
0: Oh, I, I don't. I just don't. I mean, he seems like he's got a pretty good gig at Washington. Like, you 4-0, you know, in in two years, USC and UCLA are leaving, and you've got pretty much one team that you got to run through to get to the Pac-12 title, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Now, now I'm like now. Now my brain is racing. You said Kalen DeBoer, and my brain just goes into like, is that a thing? Is that? And I see like it's on the Husker two four seven board. Michael Brunst threw it out there. Okay. Well, you know.
2: Well, I it, one of the things like I it'd be, would it'd be wild. I the Nebraska job is so valuable for so many different reasons because yeah, like why would you leave a top twenty five job when you can, you know, to a three win team or whatever in Nebraska. The, the new TV rights deal guarantees so much money and all that money gets invested directly into the program and it's not just right into the coach's pocket it's into the recruiting pool, it's into the assistant coach's salary pool, it's into all of these things into a Big Ten conference that has proven that it's growing and growing to the point where it will poach UCLA and USC away from the Pac-12 and eventually all eyes re- lead to the power two of the SEC and the Big Ten and the Big Ten has proven itself to be on the forefront of that and now nebraska's games are not only going to be broadcast in the new york metro area because of rutgers now you're going to be in la because of all of that you're automatically going to have games fed on a predetermined natural recruiting pipeline to every single corner of this country basically and kellen devore he comes from that that really prime recruiting territory in the Valley when he was at Fresno state, people are going to probably harp on me for that. Trust me. That's a really good spot to recruit that. Calabrasca. Yeah. Calabrasca's back. It, I mean, that's a prime spot. And now he's up in Seattle. You got some ball players in Washington. I get it. All I'm trying to say is you can, you can pull from a wide variety of coaching candidates here because the Nebraska job all of a sudden is not only for lineage and history, which means a lot, but from an actual like monetary standpoint and from a, like a reputation standpoint, this, they got ball players. This thing can get turned around. And if you're the one to turn around Nebraska in a state where like, this is Coca-Cola, like this is Catholicism to people in Vatican city. If you can turn foot Nebraska football around, they will put a statue of you wherever you're from and wherever you're going to go in life. So like if they want Kellen DeBoer. DeVore, if, if, and if, if Kalen DeBoer wants the job, he can go for it. And I don't think anybody would really fault him for it outside of Washington. So, I mean, all I'm trying to say is they can – circumstances are a lot better for Nebraska beyond just what the records have been the last couple of years. One thing that will be really interesting, completely
0: random aside – well, not really random, but aside. One thing that will be interesting is like we saw in the last coaching cycle, like Luke Fickle – Looked at, I don't know how seriously he looked at, but like looked around the landscape and saw. I'm with a Cincinnati team that just made the college football playoff and will soon be in a power five conference. Why do I need to leave? Yeah. I wonder if, as we like over these next two cycles, and this is not just specific to Nebraska, but just with the coaching carousel in general, I wonder how much like all of this conference realignment craziness impacts coach movement or lack thereof. If there's like a coach that's at, Um, You know, like if if, if there's like an up and coming coach that's at a G5 school or a coach that's in, you know, like the what a, a league that is not the SEC or the Big Ten and is looking at a Big Ten or an SEC job. And there's an element of, well, would I take that now or would I just stay with my team and what I've built and we're potentially in that league two years from now? That'll be interesting, potentially interesting little subplot thing to watch.
2: Yeah, I mean, for nothing else timing, you're going to, because in a couple of years, you're going to have a lot more meaningful games in December and early January than you have now because of the expanded playoff. So guys that want to take that job are going to have to move a little bit sooner. Um, it seems like, again, the it'll eventually become a power two so that's where the bigger resources are because, and I'm, I'm an advocate for the group of five. I'm an advocate for those smaller schools. They deserve a shot. Even if you're going to eventually go to the big 12 or pack 10 or whatever it's going to be, you know, you deserve a shot. But let's also be realistic in that you're going to get so many more resources and so many more opportunities by being in a big 10 or an SEC school or by situating yourself up into a program that is easily accessible to move up into one of those conferences in the next couple of years because the ACC is good but they they're left in the wake because they've they they shot their wad on a TV rights deal that just i mean crying out loud ESPN you, you can get it on on ESPN plus you know what's what's that? The Pac-12 network. Who gets that? You know who is able to watch a Pac-12 game? They had a USC in Oregon State. I I would love to watch that game, but I'm not able to. I'm 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 having to pirate it. You know, I mean you, you can you can get to it. You just
0: have to pay for it. Like that's that's the problem. There were exactly. a lot. we were like, I can't watch this game. i was like, you can. You just don't want to pay for it. That's that's the thing. You can you can access it. Like I I live in Chicago and I have every Pac-12 network channel, but I pay for it. So like that's part of it. The other thing that will be interesting too, on the flip side of like wanting to get into the Big Ten or wanting to be like have that upward mobility is for somebody like Dave Aranda, we're just on a complete aside. someone like Dave Aranda, who I really, really like. And I know there are a handful of people that I follow on Twitter (laughs) that are like real big on the Dave Aranda train, which I appreciate. But for, for a guy like Aranda, who's looking at, you know, the college football playoff expanding soon. If you're in the big 10, your chances of getting to the college football playoff diminish as the big 10 continues to expand and add like premier teams. If you're in the big 12, sans Oklahoma, sans Texas, like your path to the college football playoff in an expanded playoff with a top six conference champions, top ranks, top, six ranked conference champions get automatic bids you got a much easier path to get to the college football playoff and if you were consistently getting teams into the playoffs like you are going to have some more expanded resources because of the payouts that are coming from that and because of the visibility that's coming from that so that is that's another thing like if you're you know if you're one of these coaches that's looking at a big 10 or an sec job like Like yes, you could look at it and say like I'm like my the resources available to me at at one of those positions would just be like infinitely larger than what I have now, or you could look at it and say I could you know I'm a nine and three season away from going to the college football playoff if I stay in the Big Twelve, whereas if I go to the Big Ten, like I gotta go twelve and zero or eleven and one or I'm not getting it.
2: Yeah. Um, I, I mean, it's, fa- it's fascinating, right? Cause you could be like the big dog in the, in the big 12, whatever that looks like four years from now and have a sure shot. But what we do know right now is that within the last 12 months, the sitting head coach of Oklahoma and the sitting head coach of Notre Dame got hired away to other programs. And one of those programs is in the sec and the other is going to be in the big 10. That's a pretty strong indicator for me that if, if the sitting head coach from Oklahoma can be lured away to USC and if the sitting head coach of Notre Dame can go to LSU, that's a pretty strong indicator of where a lot of – or I don't want to generalize and say every coach, but where a decent amount of coaches will make a decision.
0: I would I would push back on that and argue just, to, just that I, I don't think the USC one is quite the same because I don't think Lincoln knew that he was going to the Big Ten. And I don't think he knew – like i think a lot of the appeal for usc was that he could run he could just run the pac 12 like initially i think that was a lot of the appeal is if he could get that up and running and he you know he's he says all the time like he thinks that the recruiting advantages and the nil advantages they have there are second to none i think a lot of the calculus was that and he, I mean, he's denied it a bunch of times, but I I'm, I will never believe him when he says that he he wasn't you know running away from the SEC. I don't think Lincoln Riley wanted any part of the SEC, and I think there are going to be a handful of coaches that are like, I don't want any part of the, of the SEC. <laughs> I think I think he he was you know thinking I'm going to run the Pac-12 for a decade at USC, and then they're like, oh about that we're actually not going to be in the pac 12 in two years we're going to the big 10 and you're going to have to go play november games in wisconsin or play ohio state every single year because
2: that's gonna happen. have (laughs) fun with that i i i I could see that but i also i trev alberts i don't know if it was a slip up but he said when the multimedia rights deal was recently announced uh, last week here at nebraska that one of the things that they talked about was what made nebraska luring was it's in the big 10 and it would have usc and ucla and and it was you know along the along the pike so the conferences knew it the schools most definitely knew it i'm not naive enough to think that that wasn't said to lincoln riley during the interview process of like hey actually don't get too comfortable in the pac-12 you'll still be in los angeles but most of our games are not going to be up and down, you know, the PCH. I
0: I think it was, I think the reporting, the reporting that I've read is that it was talked about, but John Wilner at the Mercury news has said that it was one of those situations where they talked about it and they had discussions and then it sort of fell apart and it went on the back burner for a few months. And then, you know, right when it got announced, it was like, it, it had been, it had been a very, very accelerated process of discussing figuring out, ironing out all the details and then getting, you know, things finalized it took like a couple of weeks. So like, I, I you know, I'm, I'm sure like, you know, they weren't going to be, they, they didn't tell Lincoln Riley, like, yeah, you're going to be in the pac 12 and then, you know, ropey dope him and say, Nope, actually you're going to the big 10. Once he signs on, I, I'm sure they, they talked about it, but I don't, I don't think I, you know, I think, I think him leaving Oklahoma had more to do with him not wanting to be in the sec. Cause I don't think he wanted to be in the yeah. sec. And like, and yeah. I, I'm, you know, I'm basing a little bit of that off of conversations that I had with Nebraska coaches when they were getting ready to go to the Big Ten. They didn't want to go to the Big Ten. They were fine staying in the Big Twelve. The athletic department and the university wanted to go to the Big Ten, and they figured it out. You know, they got they got there, but there were coaches that were like, "Hey, we're playing for you know conference championships in the Big Twelve. Like, why we we could stay here. We're fine
2: staying here." Yeah. Um, and look at look at what's happened in Missouri and Texas A and M since they've joined the big the SEC. I mean, really. I, I understand that A and M had some success a little bit, but like, let's be real. Look at them now. That's this, this isn't the same top ten success that they'd have if they stayed in the Big Twelve. I texted my brother yesterday,
0: and I said, "Why the hell did I draft Christian McCaffrey in our fantasy football?" league? <laughs> and he was like, "You you you got you fell into the trap. You fell into the yep. yearly trap. Yep, <laughs> that's Texas A and M football in the off season versus in the regular season. It's it's a trap." Texas a and football is a trap. They're a trap
1: in the SEC. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And...
0: Um, let's let's go back to this 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 Indiana team, because I would also I guess we're going to go back to the Pac-12 kind of um, <laughs> real like Washington flavor with this podcast. Um, in, it Nebraska has been a tortured football team for for years and years and years. But at least Nebraska fans can sort of take the the banners from the 90s that they have in, in hanging in the the man cave or the the basement or wherever they might be, you know, displayed proudly like you can you can wipe the tears with the the national championship banners that you have indiana has nothing they got nothing and and indiana has to watch mike Penix jr turn into a a damn heisman candidate at washington and they're like we we got him for six games at most in four years or three years or whatever it was like he never played more than six games when he was the indiana quarterback and now he looks like just an incredible quarterback he's making incredible throws week in and week out um indiana is the other part of this like you know we're talking about nebraska like I, and i asked you the question what does nebraska have to play for it's not like indiana's some power
2: like i was yeah. talking to
0: somebody and they're like well they started out 3 and 0 i was like it's indiana like like come on like the 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 year that they had a year ago it, it's going to take a lot to wash the the stench of that out of your out of your palate um so like with this team what what kind of team do you think is coming to Lincoln this weekend do you, are you are you buying this team or
2: you still want to see some more uh, I I have no idea to be honest with you I mean you I watched the the Illinois game and what do we know about either of those teams really I mean Indiana Illinois you could have a whole different team show up one week to the next. And, and part of that could be said for, you know, a lot of college football teams, but they're, they're an up-tempo offense. They like to kind of wear teams down that way. Their defense is really no slouch, or at least has the potential to be no slouch. They've proven an ability to be able to come up with big stops when they need it. They're also speedsters that can fly to the ball. But when I, they when also I, just gave up a 28 spot in the second quarter to Cincinnati. Exactly. I mean, when I close my eyes, I could see it. I could see Indiana scoring four touchdowns against this Nebraska defense. From what we've seen so far, obviously, if I don't, if Nebraska came out and pitched a shutout, I probably would be surprised. But if you know, if they made plays and kept Indiana to seventeen points, I probably wouldn't be surprised. But if I close my eyes and imagine it, Indiana's offense scores four touchdowns, but. I could also see Anthony Grant running for 175 yards on that defense. And I could see, um, you know, Gabe getting 40, 45 yards of his own. And I could see Ramir being worked in a little bit more into the wide back, slot back, whatever hybrid that you want to call it, um, and actually get some playing time that way. Um, I don't know. It's just a really odd team. You watch them on film and they never really seem to have that consistency to, to say, oh, well, this is dangerous other than like, I don't want to even call it an oddity, but other than the tempo itself, nothing really stands out about Indiana to me that is overtly special, which I think makes Saturday all the more interesting. That feels like a good, a
0: good spot to end it. You've, you I mean, you're in the press box so you've got stuff that you're working on. So I'll let you get back to it. So <laughs> thank you for coming on the podcast. It was good to catch up again.
2: Yeah, man. No problem. Anytime.
0: Make sure that you guys listening at home are subscribed to Hill varsity. So that you can read everything that brady writes you can read everything that the team writes we're getting basketball starting up here soon ish soon practices are beginning soon volleyball is rolling football um like brady said they still you know they still think they control their destiny so there, there's some stuff to play for there's certainly you know we're a, a third of the way through the season um we got games left, so make sure that you're subscribed to Hail Varsity. Go to HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe. Use the promo code varsity, all caps, get yourself taken care of. Follow Brady on Twitter. Go listen to all the other Hail Varsity podcasts. We've got the Mind Your Own show as well with Aaron Sorensen and Sasha Durkin that you should be listening to. Shouts to you guys for listening to this one every single week. I really appreciate you. Shouts to Brady for coming on this week, to Cam for producing this episode every week. And we'll be back next week. Thanks, guys.
1: A Huda Media Production.